Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. She was the people's princess. Little fight on the beaches. Oh, wait, man. These are the things that made England. Little fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I have a body, but of a weak and evil woman. These are the things that made England. And the king of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! These are the things that made England. Hello everyone and welcome to the things that made England. The idea of this show is to decide on what things make England what she is. A country that, despite it all, that we feel lucky to be part of. I'm Royfield Brown from 10 American Presidents, Dum Dum and Mid-Atlantic, and I'm joined by my by my colleague, my posh northern friend. Hang on, who's uh, posh? Who are you? You're, you or I, yeah. Is oh, that David, right? is it it's that very obvious? obvious in the way that no. we speak. There we were discussing discussing accents, and just a minute ago you said after the debate on the Facebook site you were no longer convinced, and indeed I was the same that accents were so important. And yet, in that phrase, you have just demonstrated why English accents are important because you have just put me in a box. Just put me in a box. Yes, but David. Okay, first off, can you just say who you are and what podcast you do? Uh, my name is David Crowther, and I do the History of England podcast. Now, so we need to um, go back a step, because there's been a few episodes before that we did accents, and we talked about how England has come resplendent into the world with so many different regional accents, didn't we? And we talked about also RP, Received Pronunciation which is something which came about in the mid-19th century and uh, the BBC then picked the ball up in the 1920s and and have run with it, the way that the posh people speak, which is an echo of 1066. Now, we both said... Now, we both said that accents needed to go into into the cabinet. We did. (laughs) However, we're malleable, aren't we? Our minds are malleable and we... I think it's, it's the phrase you're looking for. We're easily led. 
No, but willing to look at things from all angles and consider all points of view. And that's exactly what we did. There was a great debate on our Facebook page. And one Stephen Guerra, who's somebody who uh, David and I know very well because he's a podcaster of some renown. He does the history of the papacy. He made the very good point and he said, hmm, are accents that unique to England? Now, obviously, any country of any size has regional accents. But he said, well, if you go to somewhere like Spain, they've got regional accents and some which are absolutely unintelligible to to each other. You know, like Basque is another language. Catalan um, is different from Castilian. So with that in mind, I said, I changed my mind, David. Yes. But... And so had I until you just put me... No, but... I know ah, from your accent where you're from, what you are. You could write my history... You know, that's, I mean, I'm slightly shocked, Roy Field, that you should so callously David, just David, put David, me in a box. David, you've jumped in it's too back soon. In, I'm sorry. It's, it stays. No, 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 David, David, oh, you've, been, you've been premature with your interruption. <laughs> premature with your interruption, sir. Now, I think RP should go into the cabinet, receive oh. pronunciation, not accents. Because I think that's the thing which is unique about England, is that we have this. I'm say it's agreed. This way of speaking, which cuts across all levels of geography, you can be anywhere. You can be from anywhere and speak with an RP accent, and it denotes class. It denotes um, aspiration, etc. In a way that the other regional accents of England don't. So, I think we should maybe do a show on RP. And then whack that in the cabinet. But accents per se, no. No, 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 no. I no, think no. it's all part of it. I mean, it was part of our debate without wanting to be argumentative. You know, it was very much one of the things that I said about accents was that one of the bad things about accents was the fact that there is this class stigma attached to it. Actually, that didn't get picked up very much on the Facebook debate. But as far as I'm concerned, that's the bad thing about accents. That gave me, you know, that meant at school... I got a certain amount of beating up because, well, not physically, but, you know, uh, because I had a posh accent. I I think accents stay in for that reason. I don't think we ought to redo it. Um, RP is all part of that accents thing. Um, mm-hmm. And, yes, okay, it may not be that we can't understand each other. Like, Catalina thought Steve made a brilliant point. But, nonetheless, accents plays a part in everybody's life every day, I think. You're right. You're right. However, I disagree. And my vote is still not to put it in the cabinet because I think... Well, unfortunately, the one specific And the people have spoken and voted well, to leave it in. Have we actually closed yeah. the polls? Well, you're going to have to get a, quite a lot of votes going because it's pretty overwhelming. I and mean, it's less overwhelming than the other, the other ones were, but it's pretty convincing. Well, I'm canvassing for it to leave that. the cabinet. Just uh, saying. 35 right. said, now. yes, you're going to the cabinet. Seven said no. Well, the seven were, were the ones in, with the, well, with the moral sorry, right. I'm sorry, there's nothing, you know, that doesn't count. It's one man, one David, vote, one person, one vote about... You know, there's no, I'm more equal than you lot. There's none <laughs> no, of that here. David, David, it hasn't gone it's to dead. the Electoral College yet. It's dead. You're buried. You're as buried as Brexit. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> Brexit. moan as much as you like, Brown. But you beat... Listen, hey, maybe that's the reason why I feel such an affinity with this week's topic. Because nice David, segue. nice segue, David, David, David. Here's a quintessentially English statement for you: Do you want red or brown sauce with that? 
I'll take red, please. There you go. You know what I'm talking about. And this was just rammed home to me this evening. So I've gone round to her friends and they've said, I'll make you a bacon sarnie. And then she said, do you want red or brown sauce with that? And I just burst out laughing. It's something so English and you'll hear it a thousand times that it's, it's almost, you almost don't even hear it. And it was only because we were doing a show on brown sauce that I, that it actually registered with me. Nobody's ever asked me that in Canada, no. in, in America, in Jamaica. This is so English. And it's a question with somebody who's English and dare I say British, but let's just deal with English because it was made in England. They understand it and they can answer it. How to get on the wrong side of Frank Bruno. Frankly, I'm not HP. How to get on the right side of Frank Bruno. Only one sauce can give all Frank's favourite foods the necessary punch. So in a couple of shakes, he's completely HP. English beef and Irish stew, haggis and Welsh rabbit too. For every meal we know, of course, everything goes with HP sauce. Everything goes with HP sauce. A man must have principles and must live and dine by these principles. He must never ever strike up a conversation about anything other than sport during sport. Shh, Kevin. He should know the right tool for the job, and the right tool is always the most powerful. His cupboard is his business, and his alone. He should be able to fix anything with duct tape. He knows no haircut is worth more than five pounds. Scientific fact. He hasn't made a mistake when there's a part left over. It simply never existed. Any attempt at facial hair must be applauded, literally. Well done, son. Andy must never eat a bacon sandwich without the big, bold flavour of HP sauce. Makes a sandwich a manwich. Yes. HP, a sauce of manliness. So, David, what is brown sauce? We all know what tomato sauce is, but what is brown sauce? Uh, brown sauce. Well, it's a, a, it's a, a spicy blend um, I don't exactly know what it's uh, written on, what it's made of, but there's a, you know, there's a bit of vinegar in there. Uh, there's probably a bit of flour. Are there dates? Is that what's is that's what what it, what's in it? Anyway, it's spicy essentially. It, it, exactly, bit of bit of pepper. It's got, and you're right, kind of. I mean, I'm quite a fan of Worcestershire well. sauce, which is well, um, it, you know part of the same coin. It would seem to me. Absolutely, absolutely. There was a recipe for sauce for steaks composed of ale, wine, ketchup and black pepper and butter as as far back as 1862 in a cookbook that was published in London called The Practical Family Cookery okay. Book. But it took a rather enterprising and far-sighted gentleman called Frederick Gibson Garton, a grocer from Nottingham, again, uh, a very smart Midlander, to invent HP sauce in the 1890s and he registered the name HP because this sauce was incredibly popular in restaurants around the Houses of Parliament. So that's the reason right. why on the well, bottle you, you see the Houses of Parliament. Exactly, exactly. So for many years the bottles and the labels have carried the pictures of the Houses of Parliament. Now Garton sold the recipe 
and the HP brand to Edwin Sampson Moore for 150 quid. You know, to basically to, as a settlement for some unpaid bills. Can you believe it? So he's kind of like the fifth Beatle. Is that what we're saying? Absolutely. The best of condiments. <laughs> but um, you just use the condiment. Moore. I do like I did, that word. I did. And that's, that is my fundamental point why HP Source needs to go in the cabinet. Right, and I'll come well, on to this. So, Mr. Moore... It needs to go sorry? in the cabinet because of condiments or because of the Pete Best thing? No, because it's a great condiment. Because, But, but listen, sure. I'm on a roll here. Let's just do the history of yeah. HB Source. Right, so Mr. Moore, he founded a company called the Midlands Vinegar Company, which is the forerunner to HP Foods, and subsequently launched HB Source in 1903. Now, um... In 2013, 140 years after it was established, the Midland Vinegar Company returned to its original, uh, to the originator's founder's family. And basically, so even though Mr. Garton sold it for 150 quid, his great, great grandson actually right, got the back. rights back. Yeah, so it's absolutely a lovely story. Now, another one of the reasons why I'm incredibly close and passionate about HP Source is because it's a brummy thing. And I remember as a little kid driving through Aston. And it would just smell of sauce. It smelled of vinegar and sauce. And that factory, with its great big tower, was a great big bottle of HP sauce. However, HP sauce is not now made in the UK, David. It's actually gone to Holland. Yeah. I mean, I thought this might be the most interesting part of this discussion because, I mean, obviously, you know, HP sauce, HP what? But that it's, it's a bit of a tragedy, isn't it? You know, you have – it's part of that – Victorian legacy of all these things that were made mm. locally and were connected very strongly to their locality and have ended up being screwed over by multinationals. So um, I did do a bit of reading on this, actually, I have to say. My, my mother comes from York, um, and I remember mm. in the days of my youth when I was uh, told what it means to be a man. Um, can you tell me that they don't make York don't make, York anymore? Terry's was bought by Nestle. And uh, Terry's mm-hmm. had always been a the York company. It had always been about York. And that was just, you know, that was seismic. Absolutely seismic. I think, oh, sorry, am I talking about Terry's? Yes, and Terry's was owned by Roundtree, of course. Sorry. Because the Roundtree, you know, family mm-hmm. had absolutely always uh, been in York. Um and it's part of that same game. So I, when I was reading up about HP Source in the sort of two and a half minutes, um, I see that it's now gone to Netherlands and all sorts of promises made by the multinational company. Oh, yes, it'll always be that, of course, all you know, worth not worth the paper as written on. Um, and that's something of a tragedy. Absolutely. And let's just hope that with, with the onset of Brexit, it will be coming back <laughs> the home, shall we? But you know, I think you're right to pull up the to use a round tree as an example because so many English cities and cities throughout the world, so this is not unique not to sure England, what I'm about to say now, in effect were founded around one or two or three industries or large companies. And one of the things which is unique about Birmingham is that that we were founded through through many industries. So the jewellery trade, the gun trade, the chocolate yeah, trade. You know, Bourneville, as in the chocolate, is an area of Birmingham. Yeah, but engineering as well. I which, mean, yeah. yeah, you know, we did it all in Birmingham. Birmingham is kind of unique in that way. But when 
the HP Source factory closed down in 2013. It made not only the national news, but very obviously the local news. And there was lots of wailing and gnashing of teeth. But, David, condiments, I would, I would actually say, right, I would contend, define a country more than its grandiose plates, you know, the, dish, the, the dishes that we know that it's kind of known for, because condiments don't necessarily travel. So whereas just about every UK adult will know what brown sauce is, it hasn't travelled to, let's say, Germany or to Italy or to America or to to China. Does so the same in, work in reverse? So, well, let, let's think about what's this. the what's the German condiment of choice? You're the kind of person who would know that. You know what, David? I don't know. I haven't spent an awful amount of time in Germany, right? But I've spent a certain amount of time in the US of A and in Jamaica, right? So, you know what? It probably is kind of must, mustard on your sausage. But I'm on a roll here, so don't, don't trip me up. If I say to you, Grace Ketchup, what is it? What ketchup? Grace. Never heard of it. <laughs> it's not from Liverpool. It's Jamaican <laughs> hot pepper actually. sauce. All right, it's Jamaican hot Jamaican. pepper sauce. Right, okay. Yeah. All right. Ranch dressing, where's that from? Well, that sounds American to me. Okay. You, you guessed correctly. Well, ranch you guessed gave it away, really. All right, Caranavina sauce. No idea. Uh, well, that sounds Austrian, isn't it? Russian. Mm. And these are the most, with the exception of ranch, because I, I, I dug a little for that, right? But that's when I first realised that, wait on a minute, I realised two things when I went to America. Number one, they don't know what brown sauce is, because I actually asked for brown sauce when I went to a diner, and she went, what is that? And then, and then I had this existential crisis, because I thought, Actually, what is brown sauce? Yes, we've dealt with the ingredients of it, but the sauce is named after the colour, not um, a prominent flavour. Right. Or, or the person. Number one. Yeah, or the person. It's Mr. Brown sauce. Actually invented the condiment, is it? Right. You hmm. actually have. Well, yeah, you actually heir to a massive fortune. <laughs> and you haven't even got the posh that, accent. Well, I, t- I, I, I tell you what, David. Don't tell my kid's mother because you'd be wanting more child you support. Don't want to get Let's keep on that. national radio. Are we on national radio? Yeah. No, we're not. No, no, we're not. We're on a podcast that many more people need to listen to than actually True. do. So, number one, brown sauce is not a thing outside of the really outside of the shores of the United okay. Kingdom, <clears throat> unless you're in expat circles. Then, number two, yep. when I'm being told things like you can have ranch dressing, and I say, well, what is that? Right, and it, and she looked to me like I was crazy. Like, right, this is such obviously a staple. Is it kind of like a barbecue but it, sauce? But it was no, you put it on salad, so it's like a creamy white is thing. It? But just like I couldn't properly explain what brown sauce was, I didn't get a ready answer to all the ingredients of, of ranch dressing. But then it was a real epiphany that condiments are fundamentally local, and the condiments that aren't. You can name, uh, I'll read it on the fingers of, of one hand. Number one, tomato ketchup. Oh, yeah. That mustard. Yeah. And then the other one I would contend now, well, let's pass on mustard now because there's English mustard, there's French yeah. mustard, right? So even then, there's the a English divide. Thing there's French mustard. What is it you mean? <laughs> hey, you know, there's mustards all over the place. French mustard, that horrible, that uh, lovely Coleman's thing. Yeah. Mm. There's no more French than, um, and then, than I am. I think when condiments come into a country 
they feel invasive in a way that, um, let's say, hamburgers or curry don't. Because they're seen as kind of, on some level, at some point, they would be seen as somewhat exotic. I'm going to have a hamburger. You said that in the 1950s in London. That was incredibly cool and sexy thing to do. Now it's just taken as uh, regular cuisine. But think about it. You have no idea how often I am cool and sexy well, then. Mm. I'm sure Mrs. Crowther has a little twinkle in her eye every night, David. <laughs> you know, I never, never thought I could be cool and sexy eating a burger. Uh, I do take your point, actually. I think it's an interesting point. You've come uh, at a surprising and interesting angle, as normal, oh, Royfield. I stand back thank in you, all. Thank you, thank you. But I haven't uh, even finished. Because, you know, you've got a point, haven't you? I think I have your too. Your point. And I haven't even finished. You haven't done anything like enough to put it in the cabinet, but you have made a point that, you know, that they're, they're quite unique. But there's a concept, isn't there? You know, in business, when you talk about margin, yeah. okay, and everybody talks about margin, oh, has that got enough margin, you know, and all the rest of it. But you can have 100% margin and make 5p, mm-hmm. and it's just the game is not worth the candle. The things that made England, Royal, the things that made England, HP Source is going not within a hundred miles of the cabinet. David, it's a condiment. It's a condiment. It's something you put on your bacon if you've got a brain, and on your egg if you're mad. Well, I've got a bit of brown sauce on my egg right now. Have you? David, <laughs> That's revolting. You can't do that you with feel? it. When did you first encounter mayonnaise? I'm guessing it's going to be in the 1980s. I've always played salad cream. Oh, you know what? Perfect. Perfect. Salad cream is fighting a rearguard action against mayonnaise, and it's losing badly, isn't it? It is the food of Odin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you. Odin, the only reason he came down to Midgard was to find salad cream. You think it's about you know the giants and all the rest of it, or death? It's nothing to do with that. Well, I hope green. for his sake, right? He did. He's coming down to Midgard before 1990 because salad cream used to rule an English an English dining table. You had red sauce, brown sauce, salad cream. That's what those are the three options. Where is this fancy, sophisticated effect mayonnaise come from? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I blame the well, European Union, right? But and that's another reason. Fault. But David, David, but that's another reason why brown sauce. Bill, you're constructing arguments for Brexit, aren't you? Brown sauce needs to go in because it's it's not even fighting a rearguard action. It is seen off the cost all the time. It's made in the Netherlands. Doesn't matter. It's still symbolic. We'll have it's a bit duties. like Gibraltar. That little bit of the ne- Netherlands where they make it. I'm going to call it Gibraltar. It's it's forever British. <laughs> right. You know, I'm very glad I'm not Jill, Jill Bro, Gibraltarian at the moment being equated with brown sauce. You know, I would object. I ask for all Gibraltarians out there to lodge your protest with the things that made England right now. It's a sauce. It's a sauce, you, David. It's a point, sauce, right, David, you know, David, it's a sauce. Magna Carta. It's a sauce, um, David. No, um, Simon de Montfort and the Constitutions of Clarendon, although actually overrated. Brown sauce. Simon de Montfort, overrated, brown sauce, undervalued. Because. Oral underrated. And you can hear me eat my bacon sandwich with, with lashes of brown sauce. Yes, right? yes, you make me quite hungry since I had a vegan. Um, yes, we're all vegan this evening, as uh, I said oh, to you. Oh dear. Well, yeah. 
This is even better than the cricket test, the Norman Tebbit's cricket test, which I know we're going to talk about cricket in, in the next episode. Mm. Uh, another. Do we have Mark to talk about Norman Tebbit? Well, in terms of the cultural significance of cricket, yeah. I, w- I will throw him into the mix. Just like you can say to somebody, well, even the cricket test doesn't rule, because what Norman Tebbit actually said. Well, it depends on who you support. Should but, we leave? Should we leave this to the next next bit? We will. My we will. But, but, I'm, but the point I'm make, the point I'm trying to make is, you if you just racked up to a dining table in Iran and said, "Do you want red sauce or brown sauce?" They're not going to know what you're talking about. You, you have convinced me. You don't need to convince me anymore on that, Bryford. Great. And I'm saying to you that this is a great English condiment that is seen. Uh, the onslaught of the European Union, mayonnaise, ranch dressing, all manner of barbecue sauces, and it's still on our tables. Yeah, and, okay. and I think it is a badge of pride that we've put it in that cabinet because only English, and I will say British in this regard, people know what the hell it is, and we all love it. And the I really, sales. I really hope you're not suggesting there's badger in, in HP sauce. Um, I, I get take that point, you know, great, and all the rest of it. Well done, HP Source. I'd like to just round up applause for HP Source. Yep, yeah, excellent. Although I bet it's on the decline, actually. I bet it's sales going down. But the point is, A, it's now Dutch. B, it's a condiment. So I agree with you. Good argument. It's very English, and condiments are very um, local. I think that's a really good argument. Very interesting. Congratulations. It's not going in the cabinet. It's a condiment. This thing has had so much resonance with british life that it was even called wilson's gravy in the 1960s harold wilson white heat of technology and all of that labor prime minister right his wife mary gave an interview to the sunday times in which she claimed harold drowns everything with hp sauce and there was a time a 10 15 year period where hp sauce was called wilson's gravy it's an indelible part cool of this scepter dial Right, it might be an indelible part. David, that was my end. That was my end. That was my end of the show. <laughs> That's your sign-off, yes. I've found my words. Uh, well, it might be a, might be a badger honour for you, but it's, uh, it's not a badger honour for me. So I accept your point for me to give my summing up. I accept your point that condiments are very local. I accept that it is very English, but I don't believe it's one of the things that's made England. So look, I think the well, thing for us to do, Roy Field, I know the answer to mm-hmm. this conundrum or this condiment. The answer to this condiment is split the vote. <laughs> and I will accept the will of the people, just as you have been forced to accept the will of the people on accents. No, no, that that vote is still still that going to. But what we should do, what we should do there, David, is go and see what people on our Facebook page have been saying in the last week about last week's episode. Fiona fans, and I know there are a number of you out there, I regret to say that Fiona is otherwise engaged, delighting audiences stateside with her mellifluous tones and choice of tunes. So it falls to me to wrap up our Facebook commentary on the flag of St George. But what a topic it has been. As is now traditional, let me first give you the scores on the doors of the polling. I have to say that David muddied the waters somewhat by allowing a double vote in order to give us the chance to have an opinion on the flag of St George itself, while at the same time taking a stance against flag-waving in general. 
there was a clear majority of non-flag waivers, as 29 voted for not keen on flag flying anyway. We have got nine slightly despondent voters for the oh dear, I don't know category. But then, things got a little murkier, with 17 votes apiece for the flag being an enduring symbol of England and for it to go into the Cabinet. And for it to not go in the Cabinet, even though this also included the caveat that we should make it a symbol of unity by flying it. Speaking of the Cabinet... Alison Mary asked a very legitimate question about quite how big this cabinet is and does it have a finite capacity. You can imagine that there wouldn't be a problem fitting things like a neatly folded flag or a bottle of brown sauce from the upcoming episode and things like accents, scar or dates presumably take up no actual space at all. But once you have put in even a relatively small French seaside town like Dunkirk things might start getting a little squashed. We shall see. Now, on to the debates. As ever, we have got more comments than votes, so I can't do justice to the full range of fascinating points that have been raised. So please do go and check them out for yourselves. Callum, hailing from God's own county of Yorkshire, thinks that regional flags might be more popular than the flag of St George. Steve started an interesting discussion about the design of the flag itself, so we got to see some interesting state flags from across the pond. Linda commented that the flag of St George could have been designed by a toddler. Harsh, but fair. The racist connotations associated with the flag came up during the show, and Mandy and Neris took this point further, to point out that the red and white colour scheme and cross emblem has been used by overtly racist organisations like the Ku Klux Klan as it heralded back to the Crusades. On this topic, Millie posted a video of a black guy in a white chap draped in a flag of St George debating the merits of the flag. It seems that what's one person's patriotism is another person's racism. We also had some discussions about flags on cars and I'll leave you with this comment from Ken which I'll read in full because I thought it was very funny. The thing that shocked me most on this week's podcast was hearing Royfield speak of his mother putting a flag sticker on her car. Driving around England, I've been struck by the lack of bumper stickers compared to the many you'll find here in the USA. At first, I thought I was seeing a fair few Labour Party stickers until someone told me all those red L's were for people driving on learner's permits. Aside from one half-torn-off I Heart Horses sticker I spotted in Bath, I didn't see a single one until I got to Scotland, where I came across a car parked outside Stirling Castle, as heavily adorned on its backside as any you'd find in the States. Thank you very much. Thank you for everybody that's contributed to our Facebook debate. Um, it was great to hear from you, and don't forget to go on to Facebook, sign up for the things that made England the group, and and go and join the debate next time. Um, so, David, it's very obvious that um, I've won yet again, and I've convinced you, and that brown sauce is going to go. You know, I did not realise until you said that that this was a competition. I thought this was two friends talking about things. Only now. Have I realised? It's been a bad day for me. I've realised that I've been typecast by my accent. I realised suddenly I'm in a competition. Royfield. There's nothing more more English than a little bit of gentle rivalry, (laughs) and that's what we're engaging in. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, you might say you've won, but I say put it to the people. As far as I'm concerned, it goes into the Cabinet 
over my dead body. <laughs> and if, if it does David, go to the I cabinet, somewhat, you can put HB sauce on my barbecued I body. I feel you somewhat coercive bit. towards our listeners because no listener wants you to die. Nobody wants to step over your dead body and to put, you know. Okay, I don't mean it, gentle right. listener. You still haven't got the badger jig. Mm, well. Not much. Sh- shall we, uh, shall we, shall we wrap this up? Yeah. Good. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.